Welcome to Streaming with Two Dudes, a podcast about all things streaming. Each episode, we break down some of the best series, songs, movies, and shows. I'm One Dude Parker. I'm Dude Two Jeff. And dudes, this episode, we're talking about Cobra Kai, Season 5, Episodes 6, 7, and 8. But first, Jeff, what have you been uh, streaming? Uh, not a recent stream, but something I was going to throw out there, especially since uh, we're looking at focusing on the horror genre uh, next month. I did watch, as some, probably all of our listeners are very familiar with, a movie, I believe from mid-late 90s called I Know What You Did Last Summer. Probably in my top 10 horror films that I liked. And I happened to notice that Amazon Prime actually had a show uh, by the same name. So it's kind of based on, I think the actual novel was from the 70s. Uh, so it was also based on that as well as the the movie and so, of course, I was immediately intrigued, had to give it a watch. And it's complex, Parker. I love the premise behind it because there's a neat little twist right off the bat that that really drew me in. So I was I was super psyched. Again, huge fan of the movie. Uh, so I had to give the show a chance when it's all said and done. I would say I'm still dis. I was disappointed. Uh, I think the concept was great. Maybe just the execution uh, could have been a lot better. I'm not going to give a firm recommendation. I'll just say if you're a huge fan of the movie like I was, go ahead, give it a watch. I will say don't get too invested. Uh, it, it does kind of fizzle out to where towards the end, I felt like I was just watching it because I felt like I just had to see how it played out. Pretty sure I've read since then there's not going to be a season two, so don't get too attached, but Again, love the movie. The show was interesting at times, but all in all, watch it if you want. But if you don't, you ain't missing anything. Yeah, I haven't uh, checked that one out yet. I actually, I really loved the original movie with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I remember watching the the sequel, or at least the first sequel. But I don't really remember too much about that one. But I mean, I was an early teen when those movies were coming out. So that was like perfect timing for me. I love those movies. Yeah. I I didn't care for any of the sequels that much, but if I'm not mistaken, didn't the original come out maybe within a year or two after screen? Yeah, it definitely came out of that whole teen horror craze that scream started. Okay. Uh, so I'm thinking it was probably around 98, 99. Okay. I'm- if I had to take a guess. So, yeah, I was definitely a product of, and we, we won't go too deep since we're going to actually go into this next month. But, you know, I was I was a product of all the 80s horror flicks. So big fan of those. And I absolutely love Scream. And I think this movie came out shortly afterwards and absolutely loved it. Like I said, didn't care much for the sequel. So I was pretty psyched when I found out about the show and definitely wanted to give it a try. But, you know, some things work. Some things don't. Obviously, Cobra Kai worked really well, 30-something years after the original movie. So, But what about you? Anything listening to, streaming, or whatnot here lately? Yeah, I'm going to go back to uh, something I've been streaming on Netflix. Uh, Take a break from audiobooks for a little while. And I'm going to recommend a show called Sins of Our Mother. You know, I'm a pretty big true crime fan. Some people know that about me, some don't. Uh, But this one covers a case that I actually remember unfolding since I've been an adult. And uh, it really covers this woman who, uh, I mean, honestly, I don't even know how to describe it. But it's about this 
this woman who loses her mind and basically falls in love with a man who convinces her that her kids are evil. And I'm not going to go too far into it uh, because it's it's a really twisted way. And it's it both puts it both makes you see how someone can so easily be led down a path, you know, especially if when mental health is involved. And you get both angry and sympathetic all at the same time. So it's I definitely recommend it, especially if you are familiar with the case or if you're involved or if you have any interest in true crime at all. It's definitely worth a watch. So are you one of those where you're like, man, just the everyday qualms of life just beat me up and make me anxious. But as long as I got a good true con- true crime or serial killer story, then that can kind of ease me and put me to sleep. Are you that type of person? Uh, sometimes, uh, but I'm not. I'm not too anxious in my everyday going ons. Definitely not as I used to be. But my mine's more so the puzzle of it all and the psychology of just understanding what's going on behind somebody's behind or what's going on in somebody's brain that leads them to become someone who commits you know these heinous acts against other humans it's and it's just really interesting and it's not even you know necessarily the murder ones that that interest me you know some of the ones where you know people have gotten away with just small acts of terrorism or robberies or heists you know things like that where they've gotten away with it or almost gotten away with it Stuff like that intrigues me as well. So it's not necessarily just murders that interest me, but, uh, you know, most of true crime revolves around that. So that's a big chunk of it. But I wouldn't say it comforts me, uh, but it definitely interests me for sure. So you're just mildly sick, just not fully sick like those people, right? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I'm pretty sick. I hear you. Well, speaking of sick, man, episode six and eight, we're actually covering three episodes. So, man, it was, you can kind of look at it that this is launching the second half of season five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we, you know, we got five more episodes and this is kind of launching the second half. And, man, was there a lot going on and a lot to unpack. And uh, I'm really excited that, to dive into this. And me for those too, that listen, too. you probably notice our format's just a little different, but. Just to kind of give a quick background, uh, Parker and I, we kind of create our own thoughts, our own discussion. We don't know what the other one's going to be bringing up as like their three main topics or their honorable mention or their dude or dud of the week. So you, <clears throat> when you hear us react, it's, it's a pure reaction. So uh, we kind of go into it blind as far as what the other one's thinking or feeling. Now, of course, we're huge fans. So we do have a little bit of discussion of, of what maybe something that stuck out, but we, we try to keep it separate from the podcast. So, so I don't remember who went first last time. Maybe you as the editor will remember. So I'm not sure how you want to kick this one off. I believe I am first this week. My number three, and man, it was really hard. I, I only wrote down three, three things that I wanted to talk about, but picking out which ones I wanted to be number three, number two, and number one is probably the hardest that it's been so far this season for me picking out which ones in what order to put them in. Uh, but my number three is going to be Devin, Miss Lee. We find out that she has been fighting for Topanga karate because she doesn't give up. Uh, so we find out some of the answers 
from the trailer there and why she joined. She didn't have any options other than to, you know, either Cobra Kai or join another dojo. Uh, so she joined Topanga, which gets taken over by Cobra Kai. When they're kind of going through trying to find out who which students are worthy, she gets paired up with Tori. And, you know, they kind of have a little spat between both of them. There's a little bit of tension there. And we find out that Devin's mom died of cancer. And that's her motivator to keep fighting. And which her and Tori have that in common. So they share, you know, a little bit of mutual ground there. And Tori winds up, you know, defeating her in their little in their little head to head. And she uses that to ignite, you know, motive or she uses that to motivate her to join Cobra Kai, the flagship dojo, so that she can learn more from Tori. So we see that Devin, you know, she's becoming a force to be reckoned with. Her attitude and her drive is superb, but right now, you know, it's misplaced in Cobra Kai, which, I mean, she can, I'm, I'm expecting her to be a dark horse this season. She, she's learning. She's learning fast. She's like a female version of Kenny. She's obviously going to become Cobra Kai's top girl fighter. We see her getting set up for that. We see her and Tori team up to try to, you know, fight up against Sensei Kim Dae-young. And they lose to her, both of them. Uh, and then Devin, when Tori later on, you know, we'll discuss this a little bit further and more in detail because I don't want to get into it too far. Uh, just spoiler alert. I know for a fact we're going to be talking about this later. So you don't have to jump in and talk about it if you don't want to right now, Jeff. Uh, but the Sakai Takai tournament, uh, I probably pronounced that wrong. During that, we see Tori, you know, disappear. And so Devin is chosen to become the female representative for the dojo. So we already know that they're looking up to her. We see, even though she loses, Sensei Kim doesn't blame her. She is preparing to train Devin. And I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared of Devin. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't know, man. What do you, what do you think about Devin? Man, I love Devin. I've, I've mentioned that before the, I go back to, I believe it was the first scene or at least definitely one of the first ones when she's doing the debate team. Yeah. Back when Johnny's recruiting girl fighters for his uh, Eagle Fang. And we, we've used this word before, especially uh, with the, the females and the girl characters, but fierce. And I love how Devin has no fear at no point is she or was she intimidated by Tori and, and most of the others are. And I think what kind of wrapped her up in, in kind of one sentence that she made, because we did hit on this quite a bit when we were discussing the trailer where we're like, Hey, what's this Topanga? And why is Devin the one, like the only one wearing something other than Cobra Kai okay. in, in that one little quick, quick snippet. And she tells Tori cause Tori asked her, he says, hey, I'm trying to make sure, does your dojo have what it takes to earn me as a student? Right. I'm like, wow. I mean, she's yeah, not, I love I love her, her attitude, man. Yeah, I mean, she's not impressed with Cobra Kai. She's not mm -hmm. intimidated by Tori. She's fierce. And I love that about her. And, and we've talked about it before, man. This 
this whole series is some major girl power and I love it. I mean, yeah. between, between Sam, Tori, and now Devin, of course we talked about um, Samantha, I'm sorry, not Samantha, but Amanda, even Carmen to an extent. And man, she exemplifies everything, uh, you know, about girl power, even early on, I believe at the water park scene when she was still technically kind of part of Miyagi-Do and still hanging out with those kids. I mean, she's the first one that stepped up and was like, are we going to let Cobra Kai dictate who gets what side of the water park? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, she's just fearless. She's fierce. I love me some Devin. And and you brought up that quick little scene where she had to step up because um, Tori bailed. But did you notice that even in that moment, she stuck up for Tori? Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm sure she had her reasons, yeah. which kind of took me back because I just figured she would have been like pissed um, with, with Tori, but, and I'm sure we'll probably dig into this later, but just kind of that bond that you see forming with her and Tori. And like you said, they kind of had that, that, that little nice little moment where they had a life experience that they were able to share and relate to as far as the way cancer has impacted their life and their family's life. And so, yeah, I'm all about some Devin and, and really curious to see what path she kind of takes. I mean, of course, we know where she goes as far as these three episodes, but be interesting to see how, how that develops towards the very end of the season. Uh, what's your number three? So I'm taking a different approach. I'm actually going to throw out probably something I was the most passionate about from these three episodes. But mainly this is how episode six started out. So I'm going to place it here mainly just for chronological sake and, and, and the way we see these three episodes. But man, episode six starting out, it was tough seeing Daniel looking and feeling so defeated. And you see those that care about him also having that front row seat into this new look that we're not used to. And man, it crushed me. We talked a lot last podcast about did Daniel kind of have this savior complex? Yeah. And we see him at the beginning just shed that completely. And he's kind of more now embracing or understanding the risk and the harm and like all the negative stuff that's happened as a result of him taking on that complex and wanting to kind of be that savior for his family and for the community. And he even makes the comment, it's not our jobs to fight the monsters of the world kind of opens up the door to that debate when to fight when not to fight and kind of picking your battles but seeing those first few scenes play out to where we see the support rain in for daniel from his family and his friends and his students i wrote down this this word in all caps i underlined it i even put it in bold if that's possible handwriting but (laughs) uh i wrote the word validation and I don't know what was going on. We're both fairly sensitive guys. I'm not afraid to show emotion. I mean, it's not unusual for me to cry watching stuff. We both mentioned some of the scenes so far that that really hit us. This took the cake as far as what really hit me. I don't know if I have some kind of menstrual cycle going on (laughs) or... If maybe because of my age, it's menopause or, (laughs) dude, I don't know what it is, but the moment that Amanda drove Daniel up to the the dojo and they go into that back room and you you can just feel the intensity as far as the drama and just everything that's about to unfold, just amping up. And she's sharing a story uh, that she had with Mr. Miyagi prior to their wedding. 
And then Daniel makes the comment, somebody always gets hurt and I cannot fail these kids again. I'm going to throw a short quiz out to you. Who are the two kids that you think he is struggling with the most as far as that he felt like he let them down or that he failed them? Who are the two of the ones that come to mind first? Robbie and Sam. Exactly. And at that very moment, the door swings open and Robbie says, you didn't fail me. And he's standing there right next to Sam. Dude, the tears for me start flowing. And because I knew what that meant to him, hearing that from Robbie. Yeah, I I, I got chills just talking about it right now. I mean, I'm still having some issues, you know, kind of holding my emotions in, even though I've watched it twice. I've read over my notes multiple times, typed them out. But he heard from the two kids that he felt he he failed the most from Sam and Robbie. And kind of Robbie makes comment, dude, you gave me a job. You gave me a job or you gave me a home. And he threw out a big word that we've actually tackled quite a bit. Ironically, says you gave me purpose. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a better gift or a bigger impact you can give another person than that word right there. Yeah. And then you see Daniel's demeanor completely change from, from a man of defeat to a man that received probably the biggest gift that he needed in that moment, which was validation. Yeah. Because we see the back door swing open. Now it's not just Amanda, Sam and Robbie. It's all the rest of the students. It's chosen. It's Johnny. We, we see this big just sign and show of unity and respect saying, dude, we got you. Yeah. You don't don't for a moment think that you haven't impacted, that you haven't mattered, that that you don't have purpose. You have lived out your purpose and you have been successful in that. Yes, you've took you've taken your your bumps and bruises and you haven't been perfect as, as nobody is. But then even Anthony's in that group. I'm a big yeah. Anthony fan for, for, for very bad reasons. But, and then one thing I thought was interesting, we actually saw this in the trailer. I can't remember if we brought it up, but they all bow to him. And Amanda's out there with the students also bowing to him. Yeah. And, and then you see Donnie, I'm, or I'm sorry, not Donnie. <laughs> That's a combination of Daniel and Johnny, by the way. <laughs> uh, you see Daniel chosen and Johnny all kind of giving each other that look. It's like, all right, it's, it's on. We're in this. Dude, it just, I don't know. I actually had to like stop after that scene just to kind of get my composure before I moved on. But to me, it was just so touching. He he was validated. And at that point, we know, you know, this is how you start the second half of the season. That They are a unified front now. They they pay Daniel his his respect. And, and I even looked up at all the meaning behind the whole bowing part. And, and one of the things I pulled out is, you know, bowing is an expression of respect and courtesy to your teacher, and it sets the tone for training. I think when we discussed the trailer, we'd even said, hey, is that the moment where they officially opened the dojo? Yeah. And that's not really the way it played out. There was no announcement, hey, we're reopening, because it, it, it wasn't about a dojo or it wasn't about a student. It, it was a common enemy and coming together to to defeat what they know is a necessary fight that they cannot walk away from. Yeah, it was a really beautiful moment. So I'm not sure if it hits you the same way. I'm interested to hear what maybe how that spoke to you um, or if if anything, maybe I, I know I covered a lot, spoke a lot right there, but uh, if maybe if you pulled out anything different. No, I think you covered it, man. That was, I mean, that was pretty comprehensive. I honestly, 
I kind of had a feeling that you were going to talk about it, so I didn't even take many notes on that scene. <laughs> I, I like that was the one where I was like, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be something that Jeff covers. So I was just, I let you. I was like, I didn't even take any notes on it, man. <laughs> yeah, we're we're probably starting to learn each other a little too well here because there's like certain things I'll stay away from just because I'm like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Parker's probably going to cover it. Although you're you're quite the wild card. I gave up trying to figure out who you're going to be your dude or dud of the week. So I'm yes. like, I'm just going to go with my own gut feeling. Parker's going to go probably out there. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> but but, uh, but yeah, so, what's, uh, so you already gave your number three, right? Yep. Let's hear your number two. All right. So you actually kind of hit a good bit on my number two, but... Uh, mine's more on the focus on Tori, whereas you kind of focus more on Devin. We see Tori play a huge role in these three episodes, and we we see a, another meeting with Crease, um, because as we knew from the previous episodes, uh, they've obviously been working together in some capacity. And one of the first things that struck me is when she's reporting to Crease, the first thing she does is express concern for Daniel and the LaRusso family. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I thought was kind of interesting. And because she's like, you know, hey, that, that didn't play out like we thought it would. Um, of course, Crease is, 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 he's fine with, with the way it played out, you know, if, if it didn't go according to plan. But it also kind of makes me wonder what was actually Crease's original plan with Tori, since we didn't really see a major plan play out. But because we also see Tori meet with Crease again. But when she meets with him the second time, he basically bails on her. So, you know, at that point, I don't know if he, at that time in the story, if he just lost hope in being able to get out. Yeah, you know, I think he, that's what it was. You know, he, he tried the good behavior plan with the therapist. That failed. Uh, of course, he didn't plan on the meeting with Daniel and Johnny, but, um, you know, Daniel kind of reneged on the plan of giving him the number to his lawyer so, you know, wasn't sure if that was the situation, how much of it was him just losing hope or he just figured, does he truly care for Tori? And just I think he kind of made the comment, you know, look, I just don't want you involved anymore. But I'm not sure how much of that was actually out of him caring for. Also makes me wonder, does he no longer want to get back at Silver because of the words and actions from Johnny and Daniel? Johnny said some pretty harmful things, although completely justified. But as far as Tori, it, it kind of makes me wonder what is what truly drives her loyalty and trust increase. Um, I think it's I think it's probably just he's the first one that was really there for her. Uh, very similar into the way that you know Robbie's loyal to Daniel and Miguel is is loyal to to Johnny. It's the same thing, you know. Like they were the first ones to make that connection, and I think that that's why she reached out. I mean, she probably she probably reached out to him after she noticed that silver was bribing to win the all valley she probably went to crease after that to you know find out what was going on because she already had that connection that's probably when things unfolded there yeah i mean crease was one of the first ones that kind of stepped up for especially in like in her, her home life he helped out a little so i also think it if it's just more of a matter that she's got no other options, she, she doesn't have a pool of good people to pick from right. <laughs> to, to, to be that person she can trust. I almost feel like it's in some ways it's creased by default mm-hmm. because she's not at a point to where she can go to LaRusso's. So, I mean, but yeah, that, that just kind of, I don't know if they'll dive into that deeper um, as far as what's driving that. 
But part of also, I was going to talk about Tori, you kind of hit on a good bit with Devin. I, I love what Tori does with, with Devin throughout these episodes. Kind of in the same way we saw Robbie bring Kenny under his wing. Uh, although she was hesitant at first, we, we kind of see Tori bring Devin under her wing. But at the same time, she's very protective over Devin, even though it doesn't seem like at times. But she has those moments where she tries to warn Devin. It's like, look, this place is no good. It's dangerous. You, you need to get out now. Of course, Devin ignores it because she's, you know, we talked about she's fear. So she kind of stays in. But you could you could tell Tori struggles in the moments that she has to harm Devin in any way, uh, whether it's through the physical acts of karate or lying to her. And then we also see in one of the exercises that they're having to work as a team against Kim Dae-young is she kind of saves her and then basically laying over there at the end and she kind of make that comment, you know, why did why didn't you just basically sacrifice me and get the point? It's just like, well, then what kind of leader would I be? So mm-hmm. I love the bond that's happening there with with Tori and Devin. I, of course, we've we've praised Tori's character over and over and that just seeing her her continue to grow and we're seeing continually what we're hoping is her continuing to push to for lack of a better term kind of the good side uh, whether it's Sam John any Daniel you know whatever whatever that might look like so it was really cool to see her character really struggle she's really caught in the middle but even during that she takes Devin under her wing and, and, and really shows a lot of compassion towards her yeah you got anything to say on that or you, you got your number two ready I'm really I just wanted to touch on their their dynamic a little bit more I'm really curious to see how this is going to go play out I'm wondering if it's gonna if Tori and Devin's relationship is going to be something that helps pull Tori or excuse me helps pull Devin away from Cobra Kai as well or if this is going to be something that she uses this motivation to train harder so that she can defeat Tori to prove that she's the best. That's all I really, that's all I really wanted to touch on just to add, add that is just my question is what is that relationship building to? Um, is it, is it going to be more of the Robbie and Kenny situation where they, you know, now they have a grudge against each other or will it actually benefit, you know, Miyagi-Do with them having some kind of allegiance to like in history together. Who knows? Yeah. And that's why I thought that one little, there wasn't a lot of attention paid to it, but that mm-hmm. one little moment when, you know, after she loses to Sam, she takes up for Tori. Yeah. You know, I'm sure she had her reason to me that spoke volumes, but like you said, where does she go from here? Does, and I, I think it will truly speak to who has the stronger influence over. Is it Tori or is it Cobra Kai? Yeah. And which, which will obviously, whoever has the biggest influence is, is will obviously dictate where she goes from here. But yeah, just, man, the girl characters they put out are, are just really amazing. Yeah, they're definitely strong female characters. All right, so uh, your number two, hit us with it. My number two is going to be Mr. Kenny Payne. And his, you know, arc over these three episodes and what we see from him, you know, we he looks up to Kyler, which we know is a jerk. Uh, he's kind of, you know, looking, started looking up to him since Robbie's left. And we see that Kyler, you know, is not a very good mentor. He's holding him back. Uh, he tells him to slow down during his training so he doesn't make the other students look bad. And then 
he lose they lose their first challenge because Kyler's just a horrible leader. He's basically sending Kenny out there to just get punched. After that, he talks to Silver, gets a pep talk, and Silver basically tells him, like, hey, stop asking, what do you want me to do? He's like, that's what I want you to stop. It's like, that's what I want you to do is stop asking that question, which I wish somebody would have told me that decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That's great advice. Um, I, th- I think the other thing that he said in that moment that really got Kenny's attention is he's like, man, I've seen all the fighters, Miguel, Robbie, Hulk, you have more potential than all of them. And when he said that, Kenny perked up and he was like, wow. Yeah, it's he he needed to hear that, and it, it, it kind of took him off guard. But he's like, man, if Sensei Silver is saying that, then wow, maybe I'm I've been selling myself short here. Yeah, yeah. And then um, after he gets the pep talk, we see them do the challenge again, and Kenny takes you know stronger, a firmer role this time with Kyler, and they wind up getting into it a little bit, and. He take he he kicks Kyler's ass, knocks him to the ground, and then uses him to jump off of to strike the sensei and win the challenge. So, you know, we see Kenny coming into his own right there and how scary he can be. And then later on in the Sekai Takai, he scared me. I thought he had, I thought, and I mean, we can touch on this again later because I mean, this can kind of transition into my number one, which is the Sekai Taikai. So yeah, he, uh, he scared me because I thought he had killed Hawk for a minute. You know, I thought he killed, (laughs) I thought he killed our boy. Um, He's proven himself to be, you know, a really strong opponent. And so he's going to be tough to beat. Uh, It's going to be really interesting. I think it might have to come down to him and Robbie which is going to be very dramatic for both of them, uh, which would be really exciting. Um, which, like I said, this is going to lead into my number one, which is the Sekai Takai tournament and both of the dojos trying to qualify for it. We see, um, you know, it's the top karate tournament in the world. We see in the flashbacks with Crease and Silver that, you know, this was Silver's plan originally from the get-go and Crease told him it wasn't ready. So, you know, this is something that Silver's been wanting to do since the beginning. And he's trying to make that happen. We find out, you know, we were trying to discover, discuss, you know, who are these guys in the suits when we saw them in the trailer? Yeah. And we find out. And, you know, we kind of speculated a little bit that, you know, is this for another tournament? You know, and it is. It's literally a global, it's the biggest karate tournament in the world. So yeah, we we were kind of dancing around that theory, and we got you know, pretty close to it. Which I, yeah. I I love the story arc there because now what's up for stake is do you give Cobra Kai the world stage in the exposure, or mm-hmm. or does Miyagi Do Eagle Fang get that stage? So obviously there's now a chance to go beyond the All Valley, and and is the influence or impact of either one now going to get you know, catapulted to on a global level. So there's obviously even more at stake now. So I love what they did with the the story there. Right. And, you know, we, Daniel finds out about this. And so he, he and Johnny and Daniel and Amanda, you know, go and confront the board 
at Cobra Kai and just they they convince the board members to at least let them, you know, put on an exhibition to give them a chance. And they decide that both of them, you know, are worthy of it. So they, you know, tell them that, you know, the best male fighter and the best female fighters of each compete and the winner gets to go to the Sakai Takai and Tori vanishes. Devin has to fight and she ultimately loses. Kenny, well, first Kenny takes down Eli with, you know, one punch. They don't even get to finish because Eli, you know, I thought boy's heart exploded. Yeah. He just, you know, gets his, he just gets the wind knocked out of him. So they decide that, you know, both of them get to go. So we're going to get to see a final match, the ultimate match between Cobra Kai and which we don't really have a name for them yet, but Miyagi-Do Eagle Fane. So super excited about what this is going to be. I think it's going to be some really tense moments, some excellent fighting. Super excited about this. Uh, Do you have anything about this or do you want to move on to your number one? Actually, I got a lot about this. I bet you do. Because I have the same number one. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) I thought you would. And that's why I left it. That's why I made that's why I made it my number one. Because I was really expecting you to either have a lot to say about it or it be one of your numbers. So awesome. Yeah. I mean, luckily you've already hit on a number of it. I'm just gonna throw in some little minor tidbits and maybe go in deeper on some of the things you brought up. But Couple of things that stood out as far as there, there was kind of two sections of this. You had kind of the demonstration where Cobra Kai and Miyagi Do Eagle Fang are kind of selling their dojos to the committee. And of course, when that more or less ends in a tie, that, that then we, we see it go to the actual fights, the qualifiers. But as far as in the observation stage, one of the things, a couple of things I found interesting and amusing. Uh, I don't know if you if you caught on to this, but when Daniel was giving his demonstration of Miyagi Do, and and kind of saying we start with chores to create muscle memory, and you got two kids there doing the wax on wax off sanding, uh, and who was one of those kids, Parker? Did you notice? It was Anthony? It was Anthony. I thought that was hilarious. I you can't tell me the writers didn't do that on purpose. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. I didn't pick up on that the first time, but on my second time through, I forgot. I was actually trying to pay close attention to something else. I don't remember what it was. But in the corner of my eye, I was like, hey, is one of those kids doing the wax on, wax off, Anthony? And then I I went to a certain scene. I was like, yep, that's the same shirt. So that's him. So (laughs) I I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Another thing I found interesting, and it is bugging me to no end. So if, if any of the listeners happen to know, or maybe you picked up on something I didn't, but all throughout the demonstration, the training, in any of the parties, even the qualifier itself, Dimitri was absent. He was there for the egg exercise with Chosen, but after that, whether it was the training for the Sakai Takai demonstration tournament, or, or the pizza party they had the night before the qualifiers, or the qualifiers... Homeboy was gone. So I'm like, what is that about? I know he has that little side job, but I can't imagine that even in the storyline. Yeah. That kept him away. So maybe it was some kind of scheduling conflict, or maybe, maybe he got sick and just couldn't, you know, show up. And so, you know, the show must go on because I mean we had a nine-month turnaround between these two seasons. So I'm sure that, you know, production on this had to move fast. So I don't know, maybe, maybe he got COVID 
during yeah. the shoots. Who knows? It's, it's got to be yeah. something like that. And, and actually, I broke the rule a little bit on this one because this is actually one of the items that I, I brought up to Parker outside of the podcast. It just really bugged me after catching it on my second watch through. But I was like, dude, I just got to know. It's, it's, it's just unusual for him not to be there. Uh, but anyway, uh, but as far as the, the demonstration side of it, one of the more comical things is the way Johnny and what we assume is like the chair of the committee kind of bonded over Rocky <laughs> because, you know, in that scene, yeah, Sam, I love that. I yeah. Love that she, she, she kicks the watermelon and gets watermelon all over the guy. And everybody's just like, Oh crap. We just blew our chance. Of course you would think Daniel would be the one that would have to kind of smooth things over. Cause you know, Johnny's all about brute and force, but he comes in and they, <laughs> he starts talking about a Rocky seed and uh, I don't know about you, but huge Rocky fan. So that, that, that would have sold me as well, but really cool how um, that played out. Johnny kind of played a huge role, but as we're moving into the qualifiers, uh, I think me and you can agree that we love how the relationships are depicted and, but man, there, there's just something about a good bromance that, that really strikes a chord with me. And we start to see Robbie Miguel, obviously they've kind of mended their issues and they're getting along great. And they eventually bring Hulk into the fold. Cause you know, at first Hulk and Demetri were like, dude, what's this dude doing here? But they eventually come on board and going into this thing I'm about to bring up. I was actually extremely curious as well as, who the heck do they pick as their male fighter? Right. Because they got three really good ones. And personally, in my head, I would put like Miguel and Robbie at the top and Eli slash Hulk just a tad bit underneath them. So, yeah. And of, and of course, they have to add the classic Johnny comedy as far as flipping a coin. Well, that won't work. Well, I'll flip three coins. And <laughs> but dude, how cool was it that Robbie and Miguel spoke? unknown to hulk that they agreed he was the one worthy and he should be the one against the honor of representing yeah. them yeah to me that that was such a, a cool moment it was really cool <clears throat> speaking of hulk i don't know about you but how disappointed and or surprised were you that hulk got so dominated by kenny in their fight I wasn't super surprised especially when i realized that the ref was cheating because i knew that it was going to be you know an unfair fight but i don't know hawk eli he he always surprises me because he always he always either plays up or plays down to his opponent like when you think that you know his opponent is better than him he finds a way to win and when you think he's going to dominate an opponent he usually gets his ass handed to him and it's i don't know he i think he i think he is a better fighter than he shows especially in that scene, because I think he just got into his head from the get-go. I think he thought it was going to be an easier fight than it was. After the first two rounds, he's kind of taken aback, and I think he's just trying too hard, and it leaves his chest open, and he gets popped. I, I wasn't super surprised, because I know how bad you know Kenny wants it. Kenny Kenny has more to prove going into that fight than than Eli does. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm still a little disappointed at the way that fight played out. I, I would have liked it to have been more competitive. I don't like the idea that, that Kenny totally dominated that fight because even outside of the dirty ref, Kenny would have been up 2-1. I mean, he, he got two of those points clean. I mean, even the, the shot that 
knock you know the wind out on him or that had you scared that he was about the poor boy was about to die i mean that was still a clean clean hit mm-hmm. as far as, as scoring so eli only had that one point that cost him from the ref so i'm a little disappointed now i I also keep in mind that out, not, even, not only are we dealing with the ref, but uh, Kenny also had that illegal hit on his leg that, yeah. based on Daniel's reaction, would normally get a fighter disqualified. So that obviously impacted him having a bum leg, uh, even he didn't, uh, even though he didn't seem concerned about it. But like you said, I, I think there was a combination of overconfidence. Like you said, he tends to play up or down. That, that was a great point you brought out. Also thought. Robbie made a comment to him right before the fight because Robbie and Kenny both had a little disagreement and uh, Eli kind of went back to his Cobra Kai days and kind of went over there with a smirk saying, don't worry, I'll shut this kid up. And Robbie kind of like, kind of almost told him to stand down. It's like, look, no, you know, you know, that's not him talking. That's Cobra Kai yeah, or that silver talking. And, and you kind of could tell Eli kind of somewhat took it to heart. So I, I think he went in not only overconfident, but almost with the mindset uh, maybe I do need to take it easy on this this poor kid who's, who's being brainwashed. Right. But I felt like the first point that Kenny scored right away should have, and I think it did in a way, kind of snapped him out of that. So from there, I kind of wish it would have played out a lot more competitive than it did. But like you said, I mean, Kenny's he's on the rise, and that, that's that's another area that we, we we were kind of spot on when we were talking about who's the next guy on the Cobra Kai side. And we was like, it's got to be Kenny. We don't think Kyler fits that mold, but, but Kenny's ready for the challenge. And yeah. he definitely impressed and proved in that fight that he was he's definitely ready and there could be some major things coming his way. I'm also kind of curious is will we see another confident struggle hit Eli after this defeat, there is a little comment there at the after party when him and Robbie are talking. Robbie makes a comment, hey, what happened to the green? You know, talking yeah. about his mohawk. And you can kind of tell he feels a little defeated. He said, I decided to do away with it and just, you know, I have to figure out what's next. So I'm a little interested to see if we see anything happen with that or if that's just the normal feelings you have after a defeat that's not necessarily got anything bigger going on. I think we're just seeing his character ebb and flow and the ebbs and flows are getting less and less into one way or the other and i think he's just i think i don't think he's going to retreat i think it's just going to humble him you know it's more of what his character needs you know what i'm saying so i understand why he maybe that's even why he got dominated so bad you know you can kind of see him get that cockiness and that old attitude of the Cobra Kai Hawk, you know, starting to come back. Like you said, you know, when he said, you know, I'll take care of him or I'll shut him up or whatever, you know, you start to see that part of him come back. And I think, I think he needed to get his ass kicked that badly to kind of humble him. Uh, I don't know if, I definitely don't think he's going to retreat or give up on anything I think it's just going to humble him at this point. And I, I can definitely see it that way too, because I feel like they've already done the confidence mm-hmm. story. And, and like you said, I, I think this might, um, I, I like what you said. It could just be one of those brief, minor humbling lessons that everybody has to kind of learn along the way. And that's yeah. more likely probably what we see playing out there. Yeah, I, I, I think will, if he would have reverted back to the old Eli again, he wouldn't have even went to the party. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because even 
he even hooked his boy Miguel up with mm. you know a, a new chick that showed up. So yeah. so you know major. Yeah, his confidence isn't hurting too bad. Yeah, I, I will say this, and we praise this show rightfully so, but we're also we've not held back some certain criticisms here and there. But I thought the whole paid off the ref move was weak. I thought it was lazy. Yeah, like it. I, honestly, I, I was annoyed. I didn't like it at all. I was annoyed by how blatant it was. Yeah, that honestly made me mad. Like I don't even. I don't know if it was a writing issue, if it was a directing issue, or if it was an acting issue. But the ref just made it so obvious, and the fact that almost nobody else. I mean, Miyagi, you know, Miyagi Do and Eagle Fang, like they all caught on to it. But the fact that that the board didn't catch on to it at all, you know, like that, I was like, how, how is it that only this group of people are catching on to it? Because yeah. he was just staring at Silver before he was making announcements, yeah. you know, and like, not even like just a glance, you know, like he was looking at him for like three or four seconds before he would even determine a point that was obvious. And so that, yeah, I'm with you on that. That one, like it, I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know if it was just like, what it was but just the whole thing was just super annoying it got on my nerves that was the probably the biggest issue that i've had with the show so far honestly yeah. was just yeah. i was just like that doesn't even make sense like he yeah and, and and you actually hit on the the second part of it that that irritated me was just the the obvious nature of it i didn't like the storyline part of it regardless but yeah to me that made it worse it's like you mm-hmm. didn't have to make it that obvious you you could have been very subtle, and that's all you had to do. Yeah, I'd like to find an interview with the writers to see if they're asked about that on on why they still went with that. To me, I can, I just thought it was lazy. I thought I thought it was a weak move. I was like, look, we've we've done this now. I do think it opened up the door for Tori's exit. Yeah, because she's probably thinking the same thing. She's like, no, I'm. I still haven't gotten over the fact that my first victory over Sam was paid for. I'm not doing this again. Yeah. So I'm out of here. I'm a little curious at how would that have played out? One, had Tori not vanished or if the ref hadn't have been bought out? Because she, she's kind of, we talked about earlier, she's kind of been in a weird situation on these last few episodes. Uh, she had just recently distanced herself from Crease. She's definitely not for Cobra Kai. So we don't really know what her plan is. Does Yeah, we do. Does she... Does she throw the fight? Oh, you oh you mean the hypothetical situation? Yeah. Do, does she does she throw the fight if she still fights Sam? Does I'm just curious how that would have which came, I know it doesn't matter because you know that's been dealt with, but I'm just speaking hypothetically because I almost feel like the writers thought they had no other choice but to put that out there just as a means for Tori's exit because they didn't want her fighting Sam again, or maybe they didn't want to go down the route of her purposely throwing the fight. Yeah. or whatnot but well i mean they still could have made it to where you know tori notices it and leaves like she notices a quick glance between them between silver and the ref and that causes her to leave like we don't we didn't as viewers we didn't need to see it so obvious you know and yeah. like that's the thing that kind of like irritated me was that it was like do they just think we're dumb yeah. <laughs> or, you know, are they making it this obvious? And I kept waiting for, you know, the board to say something because it was so obvious. And I don't know, maybe they still will. Maybe that might be, you know, something that they bring up. Yeah. 
if, like if silver's I, not allowed to come to the tournament because you know if, like, I were, if i remember correctly the first sign that we saw when hawk scored that point against kenny and the ref ruled him out of bounds i think some of the members kind of glanced at each other yeah. if i remember correctly so maybe a slight sign that they're like hmm something's amiss yeah. now they do make his calls somewhat subjective to where somewhat close so maybe it's not so obvious whether it was uh sam's block or her kick on Devin. somewhat obvious bad calls but not so much where maybe it stood out enough to the committee but uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see if if they do anything with that but you would have thought if they were going to do something with it they would have just ruled cobra kai you know isn't qualified or you're not invited to our tournament, but also they know uh, Silver obviously made a point in their first introduction of how wealthy and powerful and what kind of connections he has that could benefit them. So I'm sure that's playing on them as well. Yeah. So maybe you look the other way on, a, on some things for the greater benefit down the road. Just two final interesting things I'll throw out on, on the way everything wrapped up. A after they make their ruling that both dojos uh, are, are going to be invited and the guy asks for their name, Johnny steps up and says, we are Miyagi-Do, yeah. which I thought was really cool. But then Daniel immediately steps up and says, and we're Eagle Fang as well. And they kind of go through this little speech, you know, whatever, but... So I'm just kind of, what do you think the name will be? We've heard like Miyagi Fang kind of thrown out there casually. I think that would be too obvious of a choice or else they just would have thought of that on the spot. But any ideas what you think the name will be? Donnie. Donnie? Don, Donnie San. Donnie San Karate. Will, will I get credit for it? I, that's, that's what I called both of them together yep. earlier. Yep. We'll give you the credit in the next episode. All right. I want to, yeah, I want to be in the credits of Cobra Kai season six, episode one, if there is one. If we can just get uh, a special thanks, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> or or sponsors, whatever. Either We're one. Not either one. Uh, the final little tidbit, very insignificant, but I thought it was really cool. Another one of those things I didn't catch the first go around. I don't know if you caught it. I didn't even hear what he said because it was kind of going over so quick. But there at the very end, Eli made a comment to Sam, maybe one day we'll both win. Yeah. And I didn't think anything of it. And then the second time I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, he lost, Sam won. And I was like, oh, no, it's deeper than that. Because the very last time that the fate of Cobra Kai was on the line, Hulk won and Sam lost. Yeah. <laughs> and then in 2.0 version, it's flipped. And so I think he was speaking more to that. It's like, well, here we go again. Like maybe one day we'll both win when it matters, you know, yeah. on, the, on the same day. So just a little snippet that was thrown in there that, that I thought was really cool. So what oh, we good. got, you got any other thoughts or you want to jump into the uh, honorable mentions? Yeah, let's hear your honorable mention. So my honorable mention is the pairing of Johnny and Chosen. It is the duo the world didn't know. <laughs> I love that that conversation they had. Oh like, yeah, walking up, just, walking up to Cobra Kai. And I think we discussed it briefly when we saw the trailer. They were like, "Oh, so it looks like Johnny and Chosen are going to be paired together." Mm -hmm. And dude, they have been pure gold. Yeah, I mean, just not from just kind of little bromance there, but just the fighting, just the the dialogue back and forth, you know, they were, even, they were even comparing Daniel stories and just the, but no, that is definitely my honorable mention. 
they've just been a great duo. Like I said, it's, it's been fun to see them paired. It definitely an unlikely pairing, you know, early in the series, but definitely one that I think's paid huge dividends. That is a great honorable mention. Great honorable mention. But is it as good as your honorable mention? Uh, you might not think so, but my honorable mention is Anthony. Uh, what? No, no, wait, 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 wait. Yep, yep, yep. Now, All I know right. that I've made I know that I've made previous remarks on how I can, you know, start to actually feel sympathetic for Anthony. The writers found one that I did not and getting your head getting a swirly in a dirty toilet is definitely a way to gain sympathy. Yeah, uh, that's I mean it's a crappy way to gain sympathy, but yeah. you in know. fact he has a new in fact he has a new nickname at school, shithead. Yeah. Because of that. So uh yeah, so I mean I will say that I like the way that they're setting him up because he they're using his strengths. So I'm starting to backtrack a little bit on the way I feel about Mr. Anthony LaRusso, but are, are you finally about to join my team on this after I don't know how many episodes we've been I've been trying to raise him up and you've been just shooting him down. I won't I won't say that I'm like a fan of his yet. I'm just okay with him. I'm okay with him and at this point. So you're uh, at least, you're at least tiptoeing kind of yeah, at least my general direction. I'll I, I tip my hat to him. I won't pick him up and put him on my shoulders, but I'll tip my hat to him. And I'm so uh, glad you brought him up. So I'll let you finish before I intertwine my last thoughts on him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, you know, we see, we see his strength as far as like, you know, his video game knowledge. We see him use that in the scene with Chosen. And he comes up with the idea to how, on how to protect the eggs. Uh, and they defeat Chosen as a dojo. So, you know, that was really nice to see him be able to have that moment even though he can't fight for shit yeah so i'd actually had two little lines written in my thoughts and one was the rise of kenny which you know we've already gone over very well because uh, that was something we kind of had predicted or anticipated and the other one i put the rise of anthony but i also had a couple of question marks because <laughs> you kind of hinted at you know what he did as far as uniting the kids uh, in Chosen's egg exercise. Definitely not the rise that I have been predicting or have been hinting at that I think may happen. So it's, it's I would say it's, it's definitely more of a, a slow, gradual ascent, maybe not an actual rise. Yeah, uh, which I mean, I think actually makes more sense. Like that was my problem that I had was, you know, the way that you were kind of presenting the idea to me was that, you know, he's going to become this ultimate fighter out of nowhere. And I'm like, no way, he does not earn that. But being behind the scenes, you know, and coming up with ideas and being the idea man, I can I can roll with that a little bit more. That makes a little bit more sense. But I, I am sticking to my guns. And I even have said previously that it, it may not happen this season, you know, that it, it's likely more of a season six thing. I still think his rise is is going to see greater things. It, it, I have a hard time believing it's going to happen this season because this is already what episode eight. There's only a couple left. I don't know how much there is for him to do this season, but as far as just like an actual fighter or, or accomplishing something that we would consider grand or great, I still think it's, it's in store for him. Yeah. I, I just think it, it may take another season because I know I brought up before, I still cannot let go of that quote uh, from Daniel uh, that he gave Anthony that Mr. Miyagi said. So of course it, the writers may not have had any further intention and I just like other things, I maybe just read way too much into it, but 
I'm super happy that he made your honorable mention. Now, that's a solid pick, in my opinion. All right. my So we'll head into Dude of the Week. My Dude of the Week is going to be Amanda. All right. Um, You know, after we see, you know, we've, we've talked about this, how great she is and how strong of a character she is. And we see her be a great partner. You know, you kind of touched on it earlier with her talking to Daniel and taking him to Miyagi-Do and taking him into, you know, sharing the stories and showing him Mr. Miyagi's office. And it was really touching. And, you know, it's really, it 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 shows just how great of a character she really is, you know, from bouncing back and, you know, admitting that she was, you know, wrong about Silver and that Daniel was right. And then, backing him and pretty much helping rally the troops and she also always comedic timing like she she makes like when she makes me laugh she makes me laugh harder when she like with her comedic timing than any other character consistently uh her facial expressions pretty much anytime she's trying to be funny just cracks me up uh when she when they go to the dojo and they're announcing when they're announcing you know like two-time you know daniel's like two-time All-State Valley champion. And then Daniel's, or Johnny's mm-hmm. like, I'm also two, two-time All-Valley champion. And then Chosen's like, you know, Master Sensei. And then Amanda gets there and it's like karate adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> I died. Oh, man, she's great. She's so funny. Yeah, and and in that same scene, I, I love how she outwardly expresses how amused she is with some of Johnny's antics. Mm-hmm. She just laughs when he when he tells yeah, Silver he's yeah. gonna shove his ponytail up his ass. Yeah, and she does that a few times throughout the season. It's kind of like you know she's used to Daniel being the button up professional, making all the right choices, and and she's even told Johnny the fact that you know hey you're the brute and force, and he's mm-hmm. like oh thank you or you know or whatever, but. Yeah. But she's still, she's not afraid to be amused by just a lot of his comments and some of the things he does. So, yeah, she's, and you're right, man, her comedic timing is uh, just the, the quick wit is strong with her character and, and her as an actress as well. But, mm-hmm. yeah, she, she's awesome. Who's your dude or dud of the week? So this, this is going to be weak. I probably should have spent more time on it. I definitely, the first thing I was trying to do was not repeat anybody. Um, and I don't think I did here. But. We've given her all kinds of love. So when I went back, I think it also makes sense. I think I've picked two guys, and now this would be the second girl. I think I'd previously picked Sam. I'm going with Tori. Her characters, especially these last three episodes, just in a very just precarious situation, not sure where she fits. She's not for Cobra Kai, but she's kind of working as a mole, but then she basically loses Crease. So... I mean, she's kind of out there on her own, but even through all that, she has the heart to to really, really, really look out for Devin. Yeah. Um, and, and as much as we love Devin, I, I just thought that speak volumes, even though everything she's going through, she could have just been like, screw this, you know, I, I'm out. But I almost wonder if part of her staying in Cobra Kai, even after Priest kind of bailed on her, was for Devin's sake. Yeah. So, Yeah. She's been deserving of due to the week several times. So if, if anything, I just felt like, you know, I'm going to give her her props this go around. Yeah, she's great. And she, we didn't really touch on it too much, but since you brought her up, the last scene we see is her going to Sam and after the part at the party 
and telling her that she didn't lose the All Valley. So I'm really excited to see where that's going from here. Like, what is Sam about to do with this information? Super yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those where we've talked about it for so long that like one of, you know, early in the series, we said one of the big moments was Hulk rekindling his relationship with Dimitri and, and finally turning away from Cobra Kai. But then since then, we've talked about surely this is building up to Sam and Tori finally making amends because that's been mm -hmm. the next biggest, probably outside of Daniel and Johnny, which hasn't been a rivalry since they've been teamed up all season. This is the next big one. Yeah, I would uh, say well, I would say the third one. I would say I would put Robbie and Miguel above yeah, them too. But I was actually just getting ready to throw them out. But I was like, that's been mended at this point now. So this is like the last, I mean, obviously outside of Silver and Daniel, but as far as the original characters since early on, this is like the last one we're ready to see kind of play out. And do they finally join forces? Because Sam, for a lot of good reasons, has held on to issues with Tori because of things she's done. And and even when there's been small strides taken by Tori, Sam's just kind of put a stop to it right away. So how does she move on? Uh, with with this information and yeah. and Tori being right there in front of her face after a disappearing act, this is you know at the at her match against Sam. This next time we see her, so yeah, that was a strong way to to finish it off. You know, Sam jumps to a fighting stance, but she lets her guard down pretty quick. So I think she's gonna I think she's gonna be able to trust Tori, especially after knowing that Tori left the tournament. With so much on the line, I think that's going to add to Tori's credibility in this situation, um, and it's going to make it a lot. Of, like I, I don't think they're going to immediately be able to, you know, go without without not being able to trust each other. But I think it's going to be able to at least let Sam believe that there's some truth to what Tori's saying because, you know, she knows how important the, this that was. So for her to have left. I think that will say a lot to speak a lot to Sam as to where she's coming from and why she's giving Sam this information. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good points. It, it will be, I'm anxious to see uh, yeah, how that plays out starting with episodes nine and 10, mm -hmm. uh, which of course our next podcast would cover. So man, this, this show has stayed strong, super excited to see how they kind of tie everything up in these last couple of episodes. And I don't know about you. I was a little surprised that, the matchups, um, the fighting in front of the Sakai Taikai committee, I kind of figured that would kind of be the ending. And then when yeah. I saw that, no, we're dealing with that in episode eight, I'm like, heck yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so it really makes you wonder where like the cliffhanger is going to be on season on episode 10. Like what, what's about to happen in these next two episodes? I mean, obviously we know that Miyagi-Do Eagle Fang is about to get the information that silver cheated outside of that like where are we what are we doing from from here yeah. you know and also i wanted to know do you think this is the end of crease do you think we're gonna see any more crease or do you think we've seen everything that we need to from him at this point because i mean we know he's not getting out of jail anytime soon unless you know everything comes to light like do you think his involvement is going to have any more impact on the show? Yeah, I mean, that that's a great question. I, I feel like there's so many directions they can go. I'm really not sure. I feel like there's something else left. I, I feel like that would be kind of a weak ending. And has he truly given up hope? Or was that just more of a front because he truly cared for Tori? And just, you know, since the original plan, whatever that was, didn't go through as expected, that he was just ready to get her out. 
I, I don't know. I mean, what, what about you? I mean, I honestly don't know what else he could do at this point. I could be totally wrong. I'm expecting him to, you know, maybe just show up here and there, but I really don't. Now that him and Tori have cut ties, I really don't know where else he could go from here as far as being an important character. You know, he's, we already know that Johnny and Daniel are not going to be able to get any information from him. They've already kind of gotten everything they could from him there. And we know that he's not going to forgive Silver. So it's, you know, I really don't know what he could do at this point. But, I mean, you know, with the exception of the riff, I really don't have any complaints with what the writers have done. So if they do figure out a way to make him involved in the story, I'm not going to, I don't see myself being disappointed in it, but I don't see what else they could do. Yeah. And and we've touched on it in previous podcasts that, I mean, he, he's probably the, the most complex character in the entire series. And when we were discussing theories for season five, you know, we had said we thought that Kreese would have to play some kind of role. And he has so far, as far as, giving Daniel and Johnny the information that they were able to use about the Sakai Takai. But we struggled with the idea, surely they just can't turn his character good because there, there's too much there. It's, it, it wouldn't be believable. Like I said, you see like very short glimpses of what you might think could be a change, but then it's almost quickly displayed as, no, that was just part of the act, part of his manipulation so, so yeah, I'm not sure what they do either. I, I I hope they don't go down the road where he's just totally reformed and you know he's he's ready to do good now. Blah blah blah. Yeah, uh, I don't think they will because I think if they would have went through that, they would have he you would have seen him take a softer approach with Daniel and Johnny. I don't think we I don't think we'll see that, especially with him being able to take over the prison or jail or wherever he's at. I don't I think that's just gonna add fuel to the fire. I don't think he's going to reform at all. I, I mean, that doesn't mean that he's not still going to help take down Silver in some way, but I don't think he's ever going to make amends necessarily with Johnny. There might be some kind of like respect toward the end of this show if it gets to that point. You know, I don't see them ever just being like the best of friends ever. Yeah, I mean, Johnny like really... <laughs> He laid it hard during that conversation they had. Yeah. Because obviously, Kreese was trying to take the approach. Look, man, it's it's Kreese that needs to be taken down, not Cobra Kai. Don't you want to take it back under your wing and, you know, and, and take it to the next level? And and then Johnny kind of like shoots back. And it's like, look, man, I want to erase any mark you ever left mm-hmm. and, and erase any memory of you. And yeah. I was like, ouch, wow. Yeah. I wouldn't say I felt bad for Crease because <laughs> I'm definitely not there yet. But I'm like, whoa, that 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 dude's cutting deep. Yeah, and and shout out to I can't even think Zebka. Shout out to him. He he would, his acting in that scene with Crease was great. Like you could see the tears in his eyes and the hurt and the anger. Yeah, in every word that he said, and it was great acting. Yeah, he's been. Uh, I know we talked about um, the guy that plays Terry Silver. Um, just being incredible and just on that the acting stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny's, I mean, he's been solid from the beginning. I've always thought as far as acting, to me, he's far better than Ralph Macchio. Nothing against Ralph. I, I mean, I like him. He's great and all. But as far as just like pure acting, man, I think uh, William Zapp, because he's been extremely impressive throughout this entire series. Yeah. You got anything else you want to talk about? 
Dude, I think we've wrapped it up pretty well as we approach what will be our last podcast as far as Cobra Kai. I won't lie, I'm a little sad just because, you know, anytime you're watching a show that you love so much, you know, coming to an end, not knowing how long you have to wait till the next one. But, you know, obviously this is the one that our first podcast was about, so... There's a little bit of sadness going into these last couple of episodes. Obviously, a lot of excitement. Um, there's there's so many questions to answer, so many things we're wondering about. They go with the story or the characters. But, but yeah, I'm super excited. And uh, how about you? Any final thoughts? No, man. I mean, I'm ready to get in here, watch episode 9 and 10. And as much fun as I've had talking about Cobra Kai, I'm going to be pretty excited to discuss other things as well. So it's going to be a little bittersweet, probably a little bit more bittersweet on my end, because I'm pretty excited about, you know, not only moving on to something else, but, you know, horror movies are some of my favorite genres of films. So the fact that we're jumping out of a show we love into a genre that we both love, it's going to be super exciting. I'm really excited about the content we're about to turn out. But yeah. Yep. A lot, a lot of cool things coming. And as always, we'd love to hear from our listeners, whether it's anything we've discussed or anything in the future. We'd love to hear from you. And my boy, Sensei Parker, I'm sure is going to give some information at the end that will help assist you in that area. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tell the fine listeners good night. Peace out, Cub Scouts. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars and a review really does help these dudes out on the charts. If you're having a thought or idea about what we're watching, please email us at streamingwithtwodudes at gmail.com or request to join the Streaming With Two Dudes Facebook group. Links to our Patreon and our socials are in the show notes. Thanks again, and remember to control the pet population and have your pet spayed or neutered.